Good afternoon and you're welcome along to the Bank Holiday Edition version of local media this week and uh, hopefully the weather has improved a little bit from the wetness and dreariness that we have had we'll say in the month of July which we'll talk about in a few minutes but uh, uh, Jim Collins is a footing turf uh, so he's unavailable but uh, the, the rest of the crew are here so John S. Kelly, Pat O'Brien and David Fleming good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon Luke. Good afternoon Luke. Yeah, Hello. So, uh, I said, I, I, my time on the bench sadly has a uh, been shortened. I thought I, I thought I, I was uh, going to be there for a while, but I, I'm going to start with a bit of good news, and then, and, then, and then we'll get into the depressing stuff. The, a photograph caught my eye on page two of the clerical, yeah. and there is also a picture on page four of the champion. And uh, Bart McBride has it in the Echo. Wolfhounds return to Bonratti. Cade Me Defoja, Banty, Magella Wilson greeting. Uh, the farm manager, Niall Maloney, Bunratty Castle, Fort Park, but newly arrived Irish Wolfhounds, 12-week-old Rian, mean, meaning King, and one-year-old Mida, named after the fifth province of Ireland in Celtic times. Mm. And I think it's fair to say it's a lovely photograph there taken by Eamon Ward. And um, good news, we'll say. That the dog's coming back to, uh, I suppose, for historical reasons. Dave, you're the history man here, so <laughs> have you any thoughts on the, on, on the subject? Well, they were all uh, they were always um, uh, valued uh, among amongst the elite of whatever time. Um, right up today, they're still valued because of their size, I suppose, and yeah. they reflect that majesty that uh, the wealth, the well-to-do, often enjoyed. And I think they were introduced into Bunratty in the nineteen sixties, John. That's right. Well, uh, people sometimes ask the question, you know, what's the uh, earliest uh, recording? of uh, the coup, coup is hound, coup, yeah. okay? And um, the earliest that I could come across would have been in the time, okay? But then there's the, uh, there's also the early uh, evidence of the Irish world long before Christianity, mm. okay? So you're looking at, at an unbroken tradition. Yeah, and they're uh, quite, I came across them recently uh, up in Mayo. They can be quite fierce. Uh, that's a question. In the article there, you see, they, they speak of the gentleness of this oh, yeah. giant. You know, okay. they, they have no interest at all in, in humans. But if, you, if another dog crossed their path, or another animal, I mean, they're called a wolfhound for a reason, yeah. um, they would very quickly kill them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, these, I'm sure these are very mild-mannered and gentle, sure. but uh, then... Cook Colin. We have in the literature, True. in the early Irish literature, we have Cook Colin yeah. shortening his journey by hitting a ball with his stick. And killing, yeah. killing the hound of Colin. And killing the hound of Colin, <laughs> which led, led, led to yeah. a serious to uh, outcome. So you have but a anyway, we hope these. We hope, history. we hope none of the Clare hurlers will be around but ready to do damage. <laughs> no, yeah. and I'd say all going well at some stage. I know there are pre preliminary plans for this crew to take a visit down to Bunratty. So you never know, we might get to get do an interview with uh, the, the two halves in, in question, you know? Coo, Coo Cullen. A, 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 exactly. Right. The hound of Cullen. Exactly, right. By the way, they just might purely have a father in, in the. Do you think. Um, uh, our listeners would remember from their national school days uh, the idea of the hound guarding the door of the, of the banquet hall sitting outside. And now you saw as well that, that Kukulam killed. Yeah. He killed his Irish wolfhound. Mm. So, and you saw the outcome of that. Mm. It's great literature, mm. early Irish literature, telling us about it. So now when we go to the Bunratty next time round, we go straight to see these giant The giant hounds. Exactly. <laughs> right, well, as I said, you're listening to local media this week, uh, sponsored by Ruth Griffin Photography, where we're talking about what's in the media, namely the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo. And I'm going to go to um, page one of the Champion. The main headline there, Jessica Quinn has, uh, I say, another good news story. Pat, uh, CPR skills essentials, says Hero Doctor. Actions of quick thinking, Ennis Doctor says, life of hurling fan at Dublin train station. Yeah, Jessica Quinn is the leading story, Ennis Clare champion, Luke. 
an infrastructure who helped save the life of a hurling fan after he collapsed in a busy Jordan train station, has modestly told the clear chairman, I think there was a lot of luck involved and I was in the right place at the right time. Dr. Carly Lewis, who is originally from the Toller Road in a spring interaction, and performed CPR on the man who is, in his, who is in his 70s after discovering he had no pulse. Fortunately, he is now doing well, and following the experience, Dr. Lewis is appealing to the public to get basic life sports training. The more people we are, the are trained, the better, and the outcomes are better all around, she said. Dr. Lewis was in a conversation with her sister, having come from the match, for watching the player, Katie Kenny, in the Ireland semi-final court back when the emergency situation unfolded. She recalled they were about to get on the train when she noticed a commotion on the platform. So it was a it was a good good news story. She 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 performed CPR and another doctor came along and helped her. No, if, the, if she, she, she was pregnant, along, and actually she was pregnant for seven weeks or something as well. So she yeah. you know, she yeah. she needed some help. So she another doctor, lucky enough, came along and uh, they got the emergency services and the the the, the man is okay. But of course, she's emphasising that. Um, the way that people should um, maybe uh, get training in CPR, yeah. and that, which is. Would, would you be able to step in, Pat? I wouldn't, no, I, because no. I never. And I wouldn't either. I no. wouldn't be. And John, would you be I, able to perform I, CPR? I did it. I did it the usual couple of days, you know, yeah. about a yeah. hundred years ago. Around the time of Coo Cullen and John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but it's, it's I, would, I, would, I would support fully. The yeah. idea that the radio, uh, the, that we would carry this message until, in fact, we have a training uh, scheme going in the yeah. in our immediate area. Yeah, and I, I suppose, you know, the whole thing, there has been a lot of progress with regards to defibrillators being yeah. 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 you know, yeah. in, in most yeah. villages and at sports mm-hmm. venues as well, which is a significant... Um, there are significant costs and there's maintenance costs yeah. with them as well, you know. But That's uh, where somebody has a heart attack who yeah. visit. Yes. Yeah. And well, this, in this case, uh, the defibrillator would have been no good because the person had, uh, well, had, had no pulse. was unconscious, yeah. had no pulse, so yeah. had stopped breathing in other well, yeah, they, yeah. They got him back breathing and uh, his pulse uh, came back and... Uh, they, they came on with the defibrillator and... Um, oh, so the defibrillator came along and after, so yeah, it was yeah. useful. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, that's the two good news stories out of well, the way now. You have the defibrillators now in most GA clubs and do. In, yeah, in, in villages. Do you, do you know who is the... Uh, the, the well, we, have a, we have a list of about 20 people, uh, there's a list of 20, 15 or 20 people that, that do the train every year. Very good. Yeah, around uh, in, lo- in the local, and they, they might do it every, I think maybe every two years or something. You go back and you have to redo. You have to redo, you know. Yeah. Do, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, listen, that's the good news out of the way. I know there's one in. We're out to the bed. In O'Callaghan's Mills, there on the community centre, the city of the J grounds, and then you have another one on the, in the wall in Kikishan and the, in the J grounds right. as well. So. Good news. Yeah, and all, 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 all the J clubs, yeah. Yeah, and I'd say a lot of sporting organisations have it. Right now, bad news. What is right? it? What is well, it? sure, page one, and we, we, we didn't really need to see this written down on paper to have a fair idea. What is July on record for Clare Tourism and Farming? Yeah. Now you spoke last week about uh, Clare Tourism being hurt by 40% of the uh, hotel stock not being available due to housing refugees. Uh, Owen Ryan has the article there. The wettest since records started to be kept at Shannon Airport 77 years ago, John. Just before Coo Collins' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Paul has it there on page 19 as well. Uh, Luke and, uh, are, you also, are you also picking up the... Uh, the message coming from the media, the, the national media, uh, with regard to uh, what we're going to have in the future years, which is warmer summers and wetter summers. So we, the good news is we can look forward to a continuation yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> How do you make well, it? Like the, 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 uh, it's no surprise. We've been, our scientists have been telling us this for a very long time. Uh, but it reminds me of some of the wet summers we would have had in the 1980s when yeah. I was growing up. 
Yeah. Um, really? So in that regard, it's no different. I remember being stuck inside no. every yeah, day yeah, yeah. and do looking you? out. I do. Well, usually if you get good weather in June or early, May, June, May. Yeah. this thing in July and August is usually bad. It will be bad. St. Swithin's St. And it did rain on St. Swithin's Day. It did, it did. But, but it seems this is, the farmers are suffering and the Owen Ryan interviewed the county chair of the Irish Farmers Association, Thomas Lane, um, who said that since the new acre scheme, now this yeah. is this is the what was formerly called reps and it was formerly yeah. formerly called something else. A lot of farmers have signed up for it and it's based around uh, biodiversity, yeah. all the environmental things that they have to do. A lot of farmers signed themselves up not to cut fields until July first, right? Now can you throw into that mix as well for the. the, the for the wider community, that um, we're likely, we're likely to see a shocking rise in the price of flour this year because of the difficulties emerging out of Ukraine. Possibly, yeah. but I don't think we get our flour, our wheat doesn't uh, doesn't really come from Ukraine. I'd but say. You're, you we get a lot of it from Britain. Take take oats and and rye yeah, yeah. at the moment in Ireland. Yeah, sure, it's been. Well, exactly. Very and bad, for the yeah. last few years, um, mm. it, it can, we can have very bad end of summers around mm -hmm. harvest time, yeah, around mm -hmm. August, September. Yeah. Some of the fields, have they've been able, the farmers here, according to Thomas Lane, they've been unable yeah. to get into the fields to cut silage. Do you, think, do you think that the Irish populace in general uh, are tuned in to the reality of the weather situation now? It's very hard, I think, nowadays, John, with uh, experts, so-called experts, and if you go anywhere near media of a social variety, yeah. where you'll be told 102 different variations of the same story, yeah. where one side will tell you, oh, global warming, the icebergs are melting, we're all doomed, and on the other crowd they're <laughs> saying, oh, relax, it's all okay, let's burn more fossil fuels, yeah. you know? <clears throat> Very what hard. do you think? Well, I think maybe somewhere in between. But if you look at, we'll say, the rest of Europe, like the Carfu and various places where they've had, you know, uh, yeah. very serious uh, hot weather. Now, we'd, we'd, we'd nearly call it unseasonably hot weather here in mm. May. Mm. You know, yeah. May yeah. Into, into June. You know, we're sort of not used to it a bit. And the, more regular service has turned up. It may be that the seasons are going out of sync. I think, yeah. as to what we traditionally would have been used to. Well, I would agree with that, Luke, because over the winter months, we got very little frost. We have mm, been getting yeah. very little frost in the last two or three years. <laughs> um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bank too much on that lasting because the, the, um, the, the warm waters from the equator that normally come up through the drift system up into uh, the Atlantic and warming, keeping our coasts warm. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's also undergoing. It hasn't been mentioned very often. The, the North Atlantic drift, okay. yeah, and that there are the scientists are worried about that. Yeah, and down at the moment, that's, down that's blocking. That's down below us now. Yes, that is below us yes. and keeping right. all the warm weather from getting to us. Yeah. But all the North Atlantic yeah. wet weather has come in as a result. Now, mm. if that changes in any regard, as you say, John, it is. I'm not giving you John Kelly's view of this. Yeah, I'm giving you the. The, um, what's emerging from yeah. the research groups. But just it's on about the, have some effect. On the, on the weather here, the uh, Hinch Hotel here, Michael Vaughan has said, the area had fewer visitors than, visitors than in July. It has dampened down the name for, for people coming to the seaside, he said. Yeah. This year has been reasonably good, but in the height of the season, you expect to sell every room every night, and that hasn't been the case this season. Yeah. There has been a lot more cancellations than normal. Nothing huge, but it's definitely weather-related. Anyone down in the village of Lahinch will tell you they have very few visits. This, the, the strand has been completely empty most days. It has affected coffee shops, ice cream parlors, all, yeah. all of that. It, would go down as a, it, it wouldn't go down as a good summer so far. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, the hoteliers are saying there's no rooms in Clare. 
And on the other hand, another hotelier says he can't get people to fill his rooms. Yeah, well, probably, yeah, that was probably back That's... in June when the weather was good. We were here about that stuff. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's very fickle. But um, nobody is going to come out in, in, in bad weather to a seaside resort. So you do have to feel for them all, right? Are you I mean, you have, to take it, you have to take the weather as it comes. Are, and are you, you make hay when the sun shines. How are you going to heat your house this winter? That's the question which a lot of farmer, a lot of people in Ireland are asking themselves. What medium will they use to heat? What medium? What energy? What you're going to have to heat, heat your house? Yeah. Yeah. The, the majority of people in Ireland, I see it in the uh, in the papers all day. The majority of the people in Ireland uh, heat their houses with oil. Oil. Yeah. Oil, I've yeah. got gas. But that's not that wouldn't be to heat the house that might heat the room that we're sitting well, in. The end, the end result won't make one bit of difference. Uh, you know whether it's going to heat your house or just to look at it and admire it. Yeah, you know that's what I'm 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 concerned about. What you use as uh, to light your fire is going to have an impact on the. Uh, damn it. Well, well it's, John, it's, more, it's less than 1% of what we produce here on Ireland. Uh, what about China, India, or the big, the big probably, nations? They're, they're spouting out. Uh, do you, do you expect China and, to bend the knee? And, and, now, and, the world. And South right. America. You're, 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 you're dead right about the fact that, the, that China is so vast that any kind of mm. uh, abuse of a fuel coming out of China is going to be far, far greater. Why would you expect China to be nice to the rest of the world? Yeah. Yeah, but if, if a farm of those big nations aren't doing it, what's the point in Ireland doing it? Because they, well, it's, well, it's less than 1% here in this country. Yeah. They're not going to well, change we, it. We have our share to do. I think we, we have, have our small share. share. Yeah, but yeah. I agree with you, Pat. Like, uh, but to be fair to the Chinese, they will soon overtake um, other big countries in the amount of renewable energy that they're producing. So yeah. they're massively advanced in terms of solar energy. And, and so they are very close or on the way to meeting their targets. It's the worst. America is actually one of the worst producers. But we're not saying that. And I'm if, not saying you're wrong, but if, if Trump comes back in, it's going to make it, going to make see, it worse. That's, that's and then we go back to what Luke was saying. There is a significant number on the extreme side in the United States that don't believe any of this is happening, that they would say, oh, like, I've, like just what I've said, but in an ideological sense, sure, we had those bad summers in the past. It's just another bad summer. But the reality is, if you look at the long term, if you look over the last 100 years, the world has recorded the warmest temperature it has ever, ever recorded well, yeah. in terms of the records that we've yeah. kept since the 1800s. Yeah. That must be... Something is happening. Something is happening, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, listen, we'll move on. I just want to refer briefly, uh, Dan Danner is on page one of The Echo. Claims and counterclaims have been made following the escalation of the industrial action undertaken by Clare retained firefighters, which okay. has resulted in rotating station closures since last Friday. So basically, the, 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 there was an offer made, the offer was refused, yeah. uh, and I would be of the opinion, rightly so. Why? Uh, because their role is not being recognised with the sacrifice that they do. But I would uh, put a counter to it saying, as, as previously stated, they should be full-time, yeah. if possible. Now, the part-time, let's call them the part-time firefighter role, which yeah. is what it is. They were on an average of €25,000 per year. Now, that seemingly ranges from stations that are quiet yeah. to the most, with the lowest activity to in excess of 55,000 euro if you're in a busy location. Yeah. Now, that's pretty, that's nearly, that's probably the average industrial wage, is it? 55,000 a year? 30, 36 would be. So it's well beyond, above yeah, but, the average but, but, wage, I don't. It? I don't think... Well, we don't have figures, so we can't comment for certain. We don't have figures, we'll say, with regards to the wages for the people in Clare. And I imagine they mightn't be fully obtainable because with the limited number of people that are involved. But 
David, the, the issue is that if you're, we'll say, a retained firefighter, you have to be within two, two kilometres, John, of, yeah. of the station. And if you're on call, you're on call for that period of time. If you were a full-time operative, as I said, employed full-time, you might be on a slightly better wage. But say, for argument's sake, uh, you're travelling from Tumorini, you could be based in Ennis. Yeah. And so then you are in Ennis for the period of time that you're working, and yeah. then you have time off after that. I'd agree with you. you I'd know? agree with you. And I don't know why, like, is, why aren't SIP2 looking for a full-time fire service? I think... Uh, well, it's uh, full-time... Like, if, 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 if you're on, they're proposing, by the way, to increase a, fi a retained firefighter's earnings by an, an additional 5,500 to nearly 7,000 euros. Yes. So bringing that 25, I presume bringing that 25 up to 30. So you're, if, if the part-time firefighters are very close to the industrial the average industrial mm. wage, as this increase would suggest, why aren't we employing them full time? Yeah, well, th th that's the thing that uh, we say it could be that if you said Scarif, there's I don't know, there may be in around ten. I think I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent okay with the numbers, but just say for argument's sake, say you had fifteen people were employed as full time firefighters for yeah. Scarif. Yes, they don't need to live within two kilometres of. The station, the station because yeah. they would be have their shift times would be allocated and it would just be a long line to say right David you were on for the bank yeah. on the weekend Pat you were on yeah. Monday yeah. Tuesday yeah. Wednesday yeah. Thursday yeah. next week yeah. and John yeah. yourself and myself we were on the following weekend and you have that uh, you are providing the service but you have the freedom to try and have a bit of a life outside of the time because I said if if the buzzer goes you have to go mm. you know uh, and. It's a, a service that I don't think is valued enough by a lot of us to understand that we'll say the sacrifices that those people make because they are literally getting the uh, I'd say probably ninety to ninety five percent of the same training that the full time firefighters oh, are getting, yeah, yeah. and they're doing the same work. Mm. It's a bit like the coast guard. The coast guard people should be full time mm. as well. I've sure. that. Previously, but listen. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 we hopefully some resolution will come to it. Have you thoughts on it, Pat? So when you when you on call when you on call at present time, you, you you can't do anything. You can't go to a lecture. You can't go to. You couldn't even go out and take your wife out for a dinner because you could be halfway through. That's very true. You couldn't be called. Yeah. You know. You know. That's, that's so what's your solution, Pat? A children's match or something like that. Well, I was thinking like, look, if if, if you had some 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 people then. And pay him like there isn't a huge amount of money in the country. That no, you're not talking about a thousand people here. You're and John, what, 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 what are your reflections on it? Me? Yeah. I would listen to the um, to the firefighters themselves first of all. Are they looking for a full time service? I haven't heard that mentioned. Mm. And nor has it been referred to in the media. But maybe not full time, John, but that there would be a structure where that rather than having three people that are on call 24 7, we'll say for a week, yes. that you might have six people that are available or you yeah. know, designated to yeah. the station for that period of time, and they could be from outside the two kilometre yeah. zone. It seems, physically be there. it seems, Luke, one of the problems is that there's a major shortage of retained firefighters. Right. And so, therefore, if, if, you're, if you have a full capacity, let's say of 10, yeah. um, that's what a station should have, and yet they have only five ever available, though the burden is falling on those five. And therefore, as Pat says... And they um, so it's a recruitment they will, issue. Yeah, but and they will also benefit from that. Uh, you, those who, who are, uh, you know, filling in, so to speak. Yeah. Because the, the financial rewards for filling in, yeah. the want of a better term, uh, are significant. But then they, you have to balance that, I suppose, and they have to balance that with the lifestyle that Pat is talking about. That's the point. So, yeah. But John, if you're filling in, you would say you volunteered to fill in for yes. a period of time. So yeah. you are saying, I am committing to being available for these number of days. That's fair enough. But we'll say, in general, where 
you're retained, you're part-time, you're not, it's not a full-time gig, yeah. and you're, you could be trying to do other stuff yeah. as well, yeah. and, yeah. and, you know, incidents happen. But listen, yeah. we'll move on, because uh, page 20 and 21, time, time is against us now, so we can only give seven or eight minutes of this. I'll declare Echo, John. The Echo. Uh, uh, yes, uh, and uh, there are two topics that uh, I'm sure one of which David will have a great comment on, and Pat will throw a few scuds as well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Park has two articles. Plans for Shannon Airport Rail Link included a new report, another report, and then on page 21, Irn Road Air planning to enhance capacity on Ennis Limerick Rail services. Now, uh, we'll start with Shannon Airport, jo- uh, David. That's your favorite. What are your favorite yeah. topics? Of, of well, this is this is an old chestnut, uh, really, and there, we we'll refer to another article here now in the Champion as well at the same time. Um, it's long been suggested and proposed that there would be a rail spur uh, from the Limerick to Ennis line onto, onto Shannon Airport. And at last, that is officially recognised now in what is called the New Age of Rail Report. This was released last week by, um, it's an all-island all strategic rail review between the north and the south and uh, has been sent to the ministers uh, in both jurisdictions for consultation. It's a plan for the next 25 years and there are short-term, medium and longer-term objectives. Where exactly the Shannon one falls has not been stated. I suppose it's up to the minister um, to decide Mm -hmm. when this would be done um, at the moment. It doesn't appear to be any comment about it, except that it's in there. And it's not just Shannon Airport, it's the other airports as well. Like, it's a major scandal that Dublin Airport isn't connected to rail or that Belfast isn't connect- connected by rail. Um, and and so it, it, it's... Or your own lovely car. Or my own <laughs> lovely Lee. Yeah. Um, but it's proposing... Currently, Ireland has 2,300 kilometres of rail lines. Um, and it's proposing that it would be increased to two, nearly 3,000 kilometres, which would be uh, a positive, and significantly to electrify the railways. And do you give any significance to the inclusion in that uh, uh, report to the uh, intention to increase the speed and reduce the actual time yeah, yeah. between because destinations? The one, the one thing of why people choose the car over the railway Um, is speed, that it's faster. For example, if you're taking the train from Limerick to Galway, it takes, I think, I think it takes certainly an hour and a half, if not two hours. You nearly walk it quicker. (laughs) You nearly walk it quicker. (laughs) So um, speed is of essence for people today. So now that's going to come up. And, And hopefully, and of course, reducing our carbon emissions, all our diesel trains, for example. So um, who knows what's going to happen? We have to wait a bit, Luke, to see what might happen. Yeah. Pat, Pat, you referred to, in the pre-production meeting, a man that had a vision, that sort of raised this issue a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, a, pol- you know, a politician. That's right. And that not very much was done about it. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, the uh, local politician, just take back in the next. Uh, this is a story from Owen Whitehead. Back in, the, back in the days of the Celtic Tiger, there was some state enthusiasm for the redevelopment of a rail spur to Shannon. But local authorities didn't have the appetite to pursue it in it. According to a former Clare TD, James Breen, Mr. Breen represented Clare from 2002 to 2007, and 16 years after his term ended, a Shannon rail link is still something that only exists in, as a fantasy. I bet there is is a certain degree of political interest in progressing it now with the Green Party and government and the impact of climate change very clear. However, the Deputy Green said that the idea might have been progressed years ago if local authorities in Clare and Limerick had pushed it. I think... He said that he met Nelson Cullen and Nelson Cullen was, was from the... Was, you know, um, he didn't he, say no. He anyway. didn't say no. Yeah, yeah. I, I think... I'm rare for giving a bit of credit to the councils and the authorities, but I think it might be fair enough comment if we are going back 20, 20 years ago. The rows were still going on about Limerick trying to take over half a Clare 
and sort of <laughs> taken our borders and taken half our land, we'll say, for partying and, you know, the whole city yeah. boundaries and stuff like that. And that I would agree the pro- there wasn't engagement because uh, between the two councils and be a bit like, I, I'd say it was, well, we're not going to, do, to support anything that will do something for Shannon and we're not going to do something that will support... Yeah. For Limerick, but I think yeah. nowadays there is maybe a little bit more joint up thinking. I, I'd like to think there is a bit, but yeah. but we we've discussed this here before. You have a railway line that's passing the and we say page twenty one has that Erin O'Dare and planning to enhance capacity on the Ennis Limerick rail service, right? So we have a rail link that's yeah. passing probably within two to three miles of of physically yeah. of the airport yeah. as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know? And for it any, wouldn't take much. It no, wouldn't take much. Relatively, as speak, relatively yeah. speaking, it, yeah. it wouldn't take much. And like for uh, any tourists arriving into yeah, any part of the for country. tourists, for young people, and for old people, people who don't generally have access to cars. Remember also, uh, there's another story in the paper about the success of Shannon Airport um, and the, f- n- the record numbers flying through this weekend. Just Shannon Airport will um, will soon be clogged, will uh, full of cars. cars so yeah. they'll mm. need, as our population expands. They'll need other opportunities. There's a, a poor-ish bus link from Limerick. It's not great. It's not great. A poor-ish what? A bus poor. link to yeah. Shannon. Yeah. So a regular train service would supplement that. Yes. But of course, uh, the, the, the you know, their influencers will be looking at the current usage, the style of usage, you know, covering Limerick, the airport, Limerick uh, mm. to yeah. Galway. But, but John... If you this goes back to the whole issue, you have twenty eight buses a day leaving Limerick, going to Dublin, yeah, airport, yeah, the vast majority uh-huh. of them. You don't have twenty eight buses. Number? You don't have twenty eight buses from Limerick heading for Shannon Airport. Mm-hmm. Well, it needs in us, Luke, and down to Bunratty and on. It doesn't even go to Shannon those buses. Really? Yeah, they go. They go yeah. by Bunratty, just stop in yeah. Bunratty and on to Limerick. Yeah, yeah. that green bus. Yeah, if they have no, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're links, and you have you have the the, you blue, have to, the blue bus yeah, yeah, from yeah, from yeah. Galway, you know. But yeah. but like, this is an open goal, and you'd like to think that you have an independent Shannon Airport Authority now. You'd like to think they would be in support of it. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear their views on it. Uh, hear Mary Constant CEO's views on 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 this. But I suspect they would. Anything to increase connectivity with the airports would be yeah. good. And f- uh, from a tourism point of view. It would have to be yeah. good. Yeah. 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 You're looking at, in all the conversation there now in the last five, five or six minutes, you're looking at projection situations. Yes. Now, projection situations are not very attractive. Well, to, to politicians. Well, uh, well, the whole new age of rail is very much a projection. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to one of Luke's favourite. Hobby horses is about planning in the country. This is about a plan for the future, where our population will be much larger. Presumably, our tourism continues to increase. Um, We are 20 years behind, if not 30 years behind the rest of Europe in terms of rail transport. So we asked asked, uh, uh, Michael McNamara in a recent um, TD, in a recent uh, interview for the Saturday Chronicle, and, and... the question of how attractive is it for a, a TD from a potential TD or a TD from the our area here, Midwest area, to uh, devote too much time uh, to projection situation. We we talked about the need for vision many times. Vision requires projection. It's a gamble. Mm. about whether the decision we take will or will not yeah. come to pass, but I'll be dead. Now, John, I'll, I'll just say two things to you. When the Whistling Bridge, a.k.a. the Shannon Bridge in Limerick, was being built, mm. the question of putting a fourth lane onto it was brought up, and it would have been at a cost of £300,000 extra. And it was decided, ah, Jesus, there'll never be the capacity for it. We don't need it. Mm. When they built the M50, they built two lanes of motorway. They said, we'll never fill it. It cost them a billion euros to put a third Mm. lane onto it. And they can't add any more to it because of the way the bridges are built. Mm. These things, as I said, no planning. 
you look at figures and you know you start saying some of these could be envisaged some of them mightn't be but we'll say our population is increasing our population has increased they're they're saying that the m50 will be full again in two or three years time possibly you know I yeah. said, so what are you trying to do? You're trying to get people off the road well, and yeah. get them onto yeah. rail. It's, yeah. not so long, it's not so long ago since we, we, we put uh, uh, um, a motorway into Shannon and we put the motorway from Limerick to Innes. I, I couldn't count on the same how come we couldn't lay out a, a plan to have the railway side by side, side, by, side, side, by, side side by side into Shannon yeah. and, and, and you, a place for it. And you see that in Europe. You see you the way the roads and the railways go parallel. I'll tell you why that didn't happen, Pat. For, then there's probably a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons is the National Transport Authority have no interest in train transport, yeah. and they were only interested in yeah. roads. Mm. And you're right, it would have been a lot, and Luke is right by pointing it out, it, it would be a lot cheaper mm. had they done it initially. Now, we need to move on, and it's nearly half time, but beforehand, so, the, the last paragraph of uh, this Erin uh, Road Erin planning to enhance the Ennis Limerick Rail Service, uh, Deputy Mac Michael McNamara is backing the growing campaign for the railway station at Crusheen to be reopened. Yes. But has expressed his disappointment with Aaron Aaron's position regarding the proposal. Uh, there, a written response, the company said, we will keep the case for a railway station at Crusheen under review in line with future demand trends, but at present there is no provision for a station with the current funding profile. But when 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 the Innes when Innes Limerick Galway line was was opened by Inverleam, they were pulled uh, um, screaming to, to to open it up, and then they, they went along and the 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 you couldn't even book online. Yeah, you couldn't from, book from, you from, couldn't from book a seat Limerick. online. I know yeah. you couldn't book a seat online. No. Now mm. uh, the, it's online and it is it's gone it is doubled it's gone more than a hundred percent since people can book online and go on the So it, there's an awful lot of, uh, of stuff going on in the background that, not that every shouldn't little, be going Not on. every little place needs a station. But Crusheen is obviously the centre of the universe, <laughs> David. Have you not figured that out yet? <laughs> well, six mile bridges. And, yeah. and go back to my original point, it slows at the moment with our slow railway. Percy French would be, would be still laughing from the grave um, it's low, so having loads of stops along the, that line slows it down. But if you had extra capacity on the railway, David, you wouldn't necessarily need for every train to stop yeah, at every station that's fair enough. every time. That's so, fair enough. So and there, we, are, there are regular, there are yeah. more regular trains from Ennis to Limerick. Yeah, so exactly. Now listen, we're gone way over right. time as usual. Pat, uh, who's live or dead this weekend? Uh, where are we going to, to music? Well, uh, are, are we going to be celebrating anything with regards to the Harbour Festival or what are we talking about? No, uh, uh, that's we'll have a go with um, that's a sheer time. Sinead O'Connor rest in peace passed away last week and then. Um, she, she, I heard her recently on, on radio singing Molly Miller once. So the dogs want the football and uh, oh, don't remind us. We'll have Sinead O'Connor singing Molly Malone. Okay, she does a lovely job. Okay, Sinead O'Connor okay. and Molly Malone will be back in a few minutes. In Dublin's fair city where the girls are so pretty I first laid my on sweet Molly Malone. Yeah. Five, four, three, two, one. The late Sinead O'Connor there. You're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio, sponsored by Root Griffin Photography. Now, normally in part two, we get around to East Clare, but because we ran a little bit over, there was one topic that John S. wouldn't allow us to not cover. John, uh, page four in the champion, growth plans for Clare CAMS, I think is the best way I could start to describe it. Page four. HS. Yeah, it's the HSE has said it's taken steps to provide additional clinical space for Clare child and adolescent mental health services. Owen Ryan has the article there. Oh, yeah, I see it. Want to talk yeah. About. Yeah. We, we've discussed it previously. There's a distinct lack of capacity, I think, in Clare. Is there a, a willingness in Clare to address what is such a critical, critical health question? 
the mental stability of our young people. To how many more examples do we have to quote for the decision makers to get up off their proverbial and you know respond positively to the article by Owen Ryan on page four of the actual Clare Champion? Well, if you but, flick the page, Pat, and go to page five, Dan Danner has the article, Minister at Odds with Hospital Group, yeah. in relation to trolley numbers and everything else. And what's the one thing these all have in common? The HSE. Mm. Well, the, earlier this summer, an internal survey of workers in Clare CAMHS showed that almost all staff felt that the Clare uh, organisation, its clinical environment was un totally unsuitable for the support of young people. What's the price that can uh, be paid, have to be paid for that? Well, it says here now, John, if we're going on in this story, in the opening of the new station road primary care centre at the, mo at the, at the moment of um, at the movement of existing teams into the facility has resulted in the spinal unit at St. Joseph's Hospital in us being unavailable for use. This includes 10 bookable clinical rooms and one group room. Yeah. So at least they're getting, they're getting uh, some capacity. space. Yeah. They're getting space, capacity. Yeah. They're yeah. getting 10 bookable clinical rooms and, and one group room that will, will be provided. The, the, the spindle by Clare CAMS and Clare Children's Disability Services is it is anticipated that this facility will be available for the use by Clare CAMS in the coming weeks. So at least they're getting space. And the statement also then goes on um, that they are trying to recruit additional staff. Further consultant post has been approved and recruitment efforts are ongoing. And that there will be, I think it says here, seven altogether. But Claire isn't alone because last week the inspector of um, the CAMS facility across the country effectively informed the minister that the entire service is at breaking point and is deficient. Um, and of course, the HSC has uh, has accepted the recommendations as they normally do. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but very little actually changes. So By the way, it's it's it's. I think it's very unfortunate that we always get to the low point. Then the HSC have to respond. It's it's a reactive rather yeah. than having a system that is proactive. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Are you trying to say to me, David, there's no proper planning in use? Well, certainly the, in the HSE, there are so many different people who are supposed to be planning, and they're in the administrative sections and managers and so on. That is that about to change doing. now with the introduction of the new regional? Well, uh, we're still waiting. This is Slauncher Care, which all political parties signed up for pre-COVID. Yeah. And it did propose the breakup of the HSE, the decentralisation of the HSE, because it is a monolith. They are looking, they've they started the process of, of looking for staff to head up, and the, even the salaries for them. Yeah. The, you probably saw that yourself. But will we see it? When will we see it, John? I mean, the Slauncher Care has, was published, is it five years ago? I don't know when it was published, but it was certainly pre-COVID. Yeah. Well, that's a, isn't that a, an opportunity for, for uh, politicians who may be listening to this programme to know that there are issues out there that will be critically important... At the next election. At the next election. Yeah, yeah. Well, well it, it, it just, is just, an intriguing one. Just here now, earlier this summer, an, an, in, an internal survey of workers in Clare Camps showed that almost all staff felt that the Clare Camps clinical environment was yeah. unsuitable for support for young people. Indeed, all of those surveyed felt that the shortage of clinical space was putting children at risk. It also showed a very low level of morale among staff, with 88% of respondents already looking for new employment. Yeah. So there, all the people there, and I have a lady on, on Claire FM one morning there, a couple of weeks ago when this report came out first, and she, she was with him for 12 years, and she said she was just absolutely frustrated, and she said she loved the job. Which was frustrated the way things were, were going and the way the, the, the way the HSC were, were, were uh, treating. Yeah. yeah, well, 
this hasn't started today or yesterday and it won't be solved tomorrow or the day after. Oh, but the light-hearted one, the, the Luke. I, I, what I, about I, the, the, the Pamplona, the bull run Well, we, 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 we'll get to the bull run. Oh, don't forget him now because I she... I, no, I won't. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you, okay, John, you want good news. You talk about good news. Page 12, because I don't talk about more depressing stuff after that. Change the buy the with the bull of Pamplona. Tell us all about it. Well, I, I mean, I, 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 the benefit of, of the art Article on the bill page, page four, was it? Page, page 12. twelve. Page twelve. Bull run. Do you agree with with the the, the, the tradition of having the bull run, which uh, takes place this week or last week, uh, every year, and um, and guys guys usually test their bravado against uh, fine young bulls and Shane. Shane is reporting on it and he had a ball and he'd go back again. This is Shane O'Brien who is yeah. a former Clonlara hurler turned boxer you're talking about. Yeah, we well, good mm. training now for the bull. For yeah. the, uh, well, the straight answer to your question is I don't like it. I think it's not, I think it's a, a tradition that the Spanish should get rid of the same way as that this country got rid of all of its blood sports about yeah. 200 years ago, or most of them. Is it, is it, yeah, long, I mean, we had bull baiting in this country. We had all sorts of cockfighting, dogs attacking bears, other mm. dogs attacking dogs. Of course, that's still going on yeah. in certain, but it is illegal. Um, Did you ever uh, attend a, a cockfight? No, John, no, I didn't. No. Would, would, would it be behaviour that would be going on over in, in the mills at all? I never heard of it anywhere, no, no. You never heard of it? No. It, was common, it was common enough um, in the past, I'll tell you it that was, much. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's betting, it's about gambling, but, yeah. uh, but uh, the Spanish seem to hold this to be very dear, but... Yeah, it, it, I suppose, David, you could say it's tradition. Now, it's a little bit like you saw, you've seen in the last few years the whole issue with uh, Puck... Down in Kerry. Down in Kerry. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like now they're going they're not going heisting him up for as long as he I was not. previously. No, he's going to be down on the ground. Yeah. yeah. And the the coursing as well. The coursing now the the, the dogs are muzzled and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But and, but and there's a lot of people calling for for for, yeah. for coursing to be to be banned. Shane uh, there was a bit of the article caught my uh, eye in the second uh, paragraph or second page of it, I suppose, yeah. second lines. Uh, I quote, I researched the course to avoid a section known as Dead Man's Corner. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, but obviously, <laughs> well, obviously the bull wins on occasion. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, but this I one. mean, we were always told as children, never go into a field with a bull. Yeah. yeah. And it seems odd that the Spaniards love going onto the roads and being chased and, by and bulls. It's very them. odd and very yeah. strange. Yeah. 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 Anyway, listen, we'll move on, and that's the good news story, John. That's we're good. back to more depressing stuff now, and we're going to go back to Prasheen. <laughs> but we're not talking about the railway link at uh, this time. Page six in the Echo, uh, Boric McMahon is writing there in relation to efforts to um, increase, uh, I, I suppose, to incorporate traffic calming measures by Clark Supermarket and Service Station and by the GA grounds and the local primary school. Yeah. In Crushing. Now, I have travelled that road, been through Crushing in particular, I'd say, more over the last 10 15 years, and there has been very significant development in Crushing with a large number of housing estates. And we're talking about trying to look after, you know, to have proper facilities and everything else like that up and running and footpaths and all the likes of that. Crushing is a dangerous place currently to be walking around. Really? I know it's been bypassed, but there still is a lot of traffic going through there. Pat, you travel through there a good Oh, there is, yeah, yeah, there is. And, and you can go up that way, I have to go up that way onto the, onto the motorway yeah. and onto yeah, the Galway Road. Yeah, it would be a shortcut, we'll say, for, for, yeah, yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, yeah so the, look at this, of course, um, they're, they're um, trying to get the, the council maybe to, the, the planning contributions to, to develop uh, Cushy and footpaths. Around the village, and then great idea. That's a good idea, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've 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 done trial against it. I like to see I like to see villages being developed and 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 proper facilities put into. And you look at it. We say you know we have to be safer. We have to provide safer facilities. A perfect example of it. Last weekend, yeah. the Tulla Festival, 
that they had at the GA pitch. And yeah. we were travelling back. Great success, we were travelling back from the matches. But yeah. but a great success uh, and the you know very well organised and very mm. well run and everything like that. But one thing in particular yeah. that they did, they literally had a stop go system outside the GA pitch for, to allow people to cross the road. Mm. Manned by about nine people, I you know. I thought myself that. Yeah. Very impressive, but for people walking from Tulla, they had a footpath all the way out to the pitch, yeah. and uh, they just had to cross the road at the ground. And they had it fenced off a barrier along by the road. So edge of the no, road. no car parking. So yeah. your line of sight was perfect, and it, it was a very very well organised event. Does and, and I know Pat, you've alluded to in the past that if they sort of took out uh, a little bit of the. The, 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 the verge. Oh, yeah, the grass. They, they could put the parking. Put in, yeah, it's a parking. It's a half shoulder on at both yeah. sides down along that road loop. Yeah. yeah. And well, I said, I, 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 I talked to, to Joe Pooley actually about it. Well, I, ho- yeah. I hope you get your way because I was travelling a few months back on that road yeah. past the Tuller playing pitch. And it was very dangerous. Dangerous, was dangerous. There were cars parked on both sides and, and people yeah. crossing. And, and half of the road. And you down. can't see them. Yeah. Mm. And, and there's young, very little warning. Mm. Mm. Very little it's warning. The young very child dangerous. Who breaks away from mommy or dad? Uh, yeah. You know, from behind I, the car. I think out onto there's them. only one other solution there because, of course, people will want to go. There are very popular matches there. You, the provision of a car, the GA has to buy an adjacent. Yeah, field for a car park. You have you have uh, you have a, a, a wide space in both sides of the road if if the the, the grass and and, and the surface taken yeah. out and yeah. put in a half shoulder at both sides a proper half shoulder. Yeah. You, you you take all the traffic off the road. But you still have people crossing the road. Oh, and yeah, that's you, a busy well, road. But you, you could look potentially at like a I don't know maybe pedestrian lights or something like that might be something that could be considered. But yeah. I think there are options to do work there. But listen, the people of Cushing aren't going to get much anytime soon. But. Uh, the uh, area administrator for the Kildu MD, Brian McCarthy, said he endorsed the view of his colleagues that planning contributions could be used to fund works. So this is sort of going back to what, how things should be, John, because uh, the planning contributions paid by the people in the areas are generally supposed to go back into the provision of services for the people in the area. Does that mean, Luke, then, that uh, if there is a lot of development in a particular area, okay, that... Uh, as a result of that, there will be uh, heavy contributions. You would have thought. I mean, yeah. the yeah. reason for charging whatever they charge uh, oh, percentage, they charge a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if that's not then being spent in the improvement of paths. Now, the other thing I'd no, like no, to the know The point is I wanted to make about that was, like the American system, you know, where the local property tax di- di- dictates very often the quality of the services which you get. Yeah. Mm. Um, that puts, uh, you don't have that here, but if, if, for example, I'm in a community which is expanding rapidly, which has contributed a lot of money yeah. to the actual county fund, I think uh, my, my area should get heightened consideration. Well, if, if the that? developer has paid to the, if you're developing a greenfield site here and you're putting loads of houses in and it's outside the town, you somebody has to put the path in to connect yeah. with the town and that's theoretically where that money should be going. Now, you bring up a very important point about the property tax. Uh, our property tax should be going... like the, the, I know I realise the government have, have a central pot where all the local authorities can apply for, including active travel which they haven't been successful in acquiring here. But where does where do our property tax go? It's all centralised, David, and it's a topic for another day because we're running out of time. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're, and we need to go to... Yeah. As you think. Uh, page five, sorry, page six in the echo as well. Acoustic rock duo, uh, the Lakita brothers are performing a, a concert in St. Cronin it's in Grady yeah. really? on Tuesday. So admission is free. That's the 8th of August, so get down to that. Uh, page 13 of the champion is normally where we go for East Clare. Uh, it's now moved next door to page 12. And, uh, but we, page 13 has a lot of East Clare it stuff. It does, yes. Still. Yeah. So, uh, but I, there's a, there, I would say most of the page is devoted there to the Scarif Harbour Festival, which, of course, is half over at this stage. 
Um, it started on August 3rd and will finish on August 6th, and you have a picture there. I presume of the organising committee, Harry O'Mara, Marie Barrett, Saoirse O'Brien, Mike Rogers, and Karina O'Brien um, at the launch of the festival, and uh, by all accounts, it's as usual quite a big lineup. I suppose one of the one of them they always have a and I I'm, I'd love to know where the the origin of this came from. They always have a kind of a Northern Ireland person or personage. Well, John, you'll be able to explain this now today. That's rather rather gentle. Um, In about thirty seconds, John. Cause yeah, much time. <laughs> it goes back. It goes back to uh, the time that it anxious to promote a relationship between the southern communities and northern communities. They invited, who was it, Luke? Uh, they invited, what was her name? The, and him. Oh, the names now, John, was in my memory. Yeah. But they were, they were well-known unionists, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. very tight. Uh, and and I, think, I think a lot of it was to do with basically Waterways Ireland was a new organisation. Oh, true, the yes. Set up, well, yeah, which yeah. was north and south. And yeah, yeah. Oh, that Devin, makes Sheila sense. was the minister at the time, right. responsible for yeah. getting the... the the headquarters on the south side uh, of the country put into uh, Tungray. Yeah. Well, this uh, year, and, uh, Monica McWilliams, who people is, might remember, yeah. was is the was the co-founder of the Northern Ireland Women's Coalition, who were there during the Belfast um, agreement discussions, um, yeah. and a kind of a non-political. I mean that they were the Women's Coalition, yeah. as I said. She'll be here and will be talking. At the opening ceremony, it's over now at 6 p.m. On, on the Friday. But I think she's there at other points as well, is she? I can't yeah. remember now. Yeah, I have done this morning of, uh, during the week um, and, and played it in. And uh, she, she was delighted to be down. And she was she praised the uh, Scarlet Harbour Festival for uh, keeping the, the Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland context oh, good. going. Yeah, good. And uh, she was delighted to be to be come down. And she's delighted to be in a few debates and opening yeah. the festival. And like last year, we'll say uh, Stuart Dickinson, we'll say uh, who's an MLA up there, we'll yeah, say yeah, with the Alliance Party. True, he, he was he was down, and we spoke to him on the radio. Now listen, we're out of time. Two things. Uh, on the road again, Shamrock Walking Tours, uh, Scarif Base, Shamrock Walking Tours return to the Scarif Harbour Festival again this year. Owner Ma Maria McMahon, uh, who also contributes to the radio, is set to lead a scenic 11 kilometre guided loop walk uh, Sunday, part of, the, part of the festival. So and Luke Arden across free. Free, free admission, yeah, yeah, you can get bring, back in. Bring uh, your friends with yeah. you. Exactly. From the summer. Yeah. Bring, bring, bring a friend. And then the other thing is there, East Clare to host new festival ideas, which is an, uh, uh, an event taking place. Uh, it's entirely volunteer-led, taking place in uh, the cathedral in Killaloo, uh, with the lineup being an eclectic mix of nature-inspired networking, music and talks, including our forest bathing, hiking, a ukulele gathering, a design thinking workshop, and the choral event, an evening of inspirational talks and music from near and far. There'll be a bit of uh, crack at that, I'd imagine. So that's and it. The 6th to 7th of September, it's on. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I'd say the chance there we could be talking to a few people linked to that in the near future. Pat, we're out of time. Who are we, who are we uh, finishing up with? Well, we're finishing up with, uh, we're finishing up with the Eagles. Uh, local. Oh, Hotel California, <laughs> is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. no? <laughs> Randy Minster. Minster of the Eagles, he, he passed away during the week. So we'll, we'll take it to the limit one more time. Oh, well, Jason, you take the time to deliver here this programme anyway. Listen, uh, pleasure as always, Janice, uh, Pat and David, thank you very much Thanks for your time. Thanks, Luke. Uh, local thank media you. this week, uh, every Sunday, 2 o'clock, all going well. And uh, uh, actually, it's at 3 o'clock, uh, we'd say today, because Owen and Ruth have been live from the square in uh, Scarif before us. But we'll be back to the regular time uh, next Sunday, 2 o'clock, and hopefully Jim will be back in the chair. So from us, goodbye and take care. While discussing the papers on their regular weekly programme, local media this week, an item caught uh, the panel's eyes that they didn't have time to discuss. So, uh, the life of Sitting Bull's Clareman is page one of the living section on the Clare Champion, uh, an article by Andrew Hamilton, and it's From Ennis Diamond to the Wild West, the story of Clare Cowboy adventurer and environmentalist Kutanani Brown. David. Yes, there's a fine picture. This is uh, on the front of the living, as you said, and there's a fine picture of said Ennis Diamond man, John George Brown was his original name, and he added Kootenay. I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Kootenay, I think it must be Canadian or something like that. 
Um, and he's a picture there around 1910. He's an old man by 1910, but he certainly led a very adventurous life. Um, he was born in Ennis Diamond um, uh, in 1839, the son of John Brown and Ellen Finucane. Uh, but, but tragedy struck, according to Andrew Hamilton, tragedy struck the family early and left him an orphan. Sort of the, the very typical type of, or stereotypical type of a, of a, a self-made man almost. When yeah. you're orphaned, you have to make your way in the world, John, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. He was raised by his grandmother and enlisted in the British Army in 1857. So at, a, at, a, at an interesting time in the Imperial Service, yeah. um, he joined the 8th Regiment, served in India, um, sold his commission in 1862, so he wasn't long in the army, only about five years, and went off to seek his fortune in America, uh, joined the gold rush in British Columbia, mm. that part of Canada. Yeah. There was a lot, a lot of people hoping to make uh, their fortune at that time in that part of America. We often forget, we always think of the United States, but actually it's... Or Australia. Or Australia. Yeah. Actually, around the same time, yeah. in the 1860s, there was yeah. a great deal of Irish people going off to Australia in the hope of striking gold. But, like so many others, he never struck gold. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, he was, as it says here, enamoured with life on the frontier. And we must remember, this was very much... Um, uh, an unspoiled territory. That's right. Occupied by Native American tribes. Who, were, who weren't friendly towards each other. Weren't it? friendly towards each other and weren't friendly towards what we might call the invaders. And the white men. And the white, who were. And let's, uh, when I was reading this, of course, we, I, I was struck, of course, this is the typical story of, of, an, of an immigrant who has made good. But we forget that these people were part of uh, 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 an effort to displace the people who were in this land before yeah, them. Yeah. And of course, naturally, he was attacked by them. Um, uh, the story goes on, and this is where Sitting Bull comes yeah, in. Yeah. Um, that he is, that he is, um, he's part of the Pony Express, which is the mail service, yeah, I suppose. Service, yeah. And um, at one stage, uh, he was captured by Chief Sitting Bull, and Sitting Bull is one of the was one of the major leaders of 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 the, indigenous, whole, yeah. of the indigenous population, and I think fought Custer, didn't he, John? Um, I think he did fight Custer. Did he? Um, at the Battle of the Little Bighorn, but in any event, he was captured and. With, with others, stripped naked. <laughs> Everything taken. Everything taken from them. Is that, is that where they rolled, well, night was falling uh, and uh, the, the powwows were going on yeah. with Bull and the two lads rolled down the banks. They slipped away. Slipped away into the water. Into the water. And they got away. I'd say the Indians were probably, I shouldn't call them the Indians, the Native Americans were uh, yeah. probably sick of them at this stage. I'd say so. <laughs> because I'd say very few got away from yeah. uh, such tribes. But anyway, they, they went away buck naked, it says here, um, and they whatever, eventually... Whatever class of nakedness, buck naked. <laughs> <laughs> like a buck deer <laughs> running away. But they, they, they eventually escaped anyway. His life is a very interesting one because ultimately he ended up on the borderlands between the United States and yeah, Canada. Yeah. And I'm familiar. I, you know that. I know this territory. Um, there is um, a national park uh, which crosses Montana, Glacier National Park. Yeah. And it's beautiful, beautiful. Anybody would be enamoured yeah. by it. And eventually he does settle down um, in this particular territory. Um, he, he, he settles in Canada and on the lands of the Kootenay tribe, it says here, the Kootenay people, and, the, uh, and make their home. And I think he marries, uh, well, we have a picture here. Yes, she's, she's a fine... A fine brothy woman, as I would say, in the west of Ireland. <laughs> they probably would say that in the west, in the, in the west of Canada as well. Um, and uh, they, 
They said, what's her name? They don't actually give, oh yeah, Olivia Lyonnaise uh, of the Matus Native American tribe is her name. She had a bit of French blood in her as well. Well, well, I, who, I don't know. Does it say that? It does, there? yeah, yeah. Right, and of course, the French did settle in that part of the world. Um, so it's an interesting story, all right. Um, and I suspect there are so many people yeah. from this country who had similar exploits, but it takes a bit Unrecorded. of time. Unrecorded. And there's an accident that got him into this story, isn't it? Purely accidental. It was. The, 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 the Andrew Hamilton, I think, was looking at a movie, Pat. Were yeah. you reading about that? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And... Um, um, this man, he 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 followed. Uh, he hunted buffaloes and wolves yeah. at one stage. And um, uh, the 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 isle, the isle was was seeping up to the ground in in at one stage, and they used to use it for the the cats. And then they were prospecting for oil in the place. Mm. So um, that was was uh, it was an amazing story, really. Yeah. And it's all in, in the living section of the church. And this time and again. Into the forefront. Well, if they don't have the puka, they have the cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I think, uh, and I think on that note, gentlemen, we'll leave it a week. That's the extra bit of uh, local media this week. Uh, tune in every Sunday at 2 pm. And the yeah. program is sponsored by Ruth Griffin uh, Photography here on SBCR. So, he, d- he died in 1916, anyway. Not a very good comment.